This episode of Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by Morty, the World Escape Room Championship, Buzzshot, and Patreon supporters like you. Buzzshot is customer satisfaction software for your escape room business. They offer an assortment of pre and post game features, including robust waiver management, branded team photos, and streamlined review management for Yelp, TripAdvisor, Google Reviews, Morty, and more. Chris Latner from The Room Berlin was a guest on Reality Escape Pod, and this is what his partner Stella had to say about Buzzshot. Since using Buzzshot, we constantly received at least 30% more TripAdvisor reviews than before. Our customers love how quick they get the picture with the fancy overlay and happily share them on social media, while our game masters love how easy and fast the process is. Streamline your marketing and grow your business at buzzshot.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D. When booking your free trial to get 20% off your first three months. Details in the show notes. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Each episode this season, we will be interviewing escape room creators from different countries. Today's guest is from Athens, Greece. We're joined by Dimitrios Varelas, one of the creators of Paradox Project. His three games, The Mansion, the Golden Lock Award-winning The Bookstore, and their latest game, The Music Academy, are absolutely massive in both size and length and are beloved by escape room fans all over. Welcome, Dimitri. Hello. I'm very happy to join you and for your invitation in this amazing podcast. I'm so excited to talk about your games. When David told me about three-hour-plus games, I just, I could not believe it. So I'm super excited to have you on to talk with us. And David also tells me that you are diehard escape room fans even before you started your business. So I'm really curious, what is the Paradox Project origin story? How did you get into the business of creating these massive escape rooms? First of all, we are a team of five people. I have to mention my friends, my best friends' names and colleagues in Paradox Project. We have another Dimitris, we are two in Paradox Project, uh, who is uh, the engineer of uh, our team. We also have Michalis, who is the architect. Yanis, who is the mastermind behind the novels, the story, and the puzzles. And Kostadinos, who is the jack of all trades and our younger member. So most of us are friends from school, and we grew up together. And we were big games lovers. So we grew up playing a lot of board games, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and also some computer games and video games. Personally, me and Yanis, we really enjoyed adventure games. So this is all way back. Adventure games is the first thing that we found about having puzzles and riddles that you have to solve. And this is something that always is very exciting for us. And when the first escape room opened in Greece, in Athens, in 2013, there were only two games back then. We immediately found out about it and we wanted to try to play these games. And I still remember them 
as two of the most amazing experiences I had in my life. Uh, it was a simpler game, but you never forget your first time. It's amazing being inside a game that makes your experiences as a gamer into a reality, an immersive experience that has never been done before. So we played those two first escape rooms back then. There were no others. So we were eagerly waiting for the next few escape rooms to open up. And very quickly, after maybe the third or the fourth game that we played, we were sitting down, of course, like everyone does after the game, having a beer and talking about the experience. And we decided that we really thought about what can we make better. This thing could be like that, or why was that given in that certain way? How could it be done a little bit better? Slowly, just by discussing and having the conversation about gaming, the idea fell on the table that maybe we should try to open one of our own games. Do you remember when you guys were talking about what you could have done better, what were some of the main points that you thought could have been improved upon? One thing is that sometimes we felt a little bit lost. Some of the puzzles were very nice, but the flow of the game was not guiding you enough. And we found ourselves wasting time that, you know, it can be annoying sometimes when you don't know what you're supposed to do. And the second part that is very important to us, and it was the beginning point for our approach to the games, is the story. It is very important for us to have a reason why you're doing something. And that's what we strive for back then, to write a story that is coherent. For us, it is very important for the story to unfold during your play. So you find out clues about what's going on and to offer a, a more immersive and complete experience. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with yeah. these points and good cluing for the puzzles. That's, I think that's super important and having a good narrative. I often talk about how escape rooms have regional flavors, but I don't think that I've ever visited a place that has a more defined style than Athens, Greece. And the biggest thing that jumps out to me was the incredible lengths of these games. Of the 10 games that I played in Athens, the shortest one was 90 minutes and the longest, the bookstore, was 200 minutes. How did Athens end up with so many incredible and long escape rooms? Um, that's a very interesting subject. Back then, before us starting our first game, all the games in Athens were 60 minutes. There were a couple that were 50 minutes long that were supposed to be the easy ones. And I think there was only one or maybe two that were 70 minutes. And they were considered the long games. That's pretty normal. Yeah, most places I would say 50 to 70 minutes is typical escape room length. So we started designing our game in 2014 and we had some very key points in our minds about what we wanted to create. One of them was surely the duration. One hour games were not enough for us. <laughs> uh, when you are having a good time as players, that time goes by so quickly. So we wanted to make something that is longer so it could leave a better impression on the team. And, you know, sometimes uh, when we booked games in other escape rooms that were one hour long, we try to book two of them back to back. 
So this pushed us to understand that why play two separate games with two separate themes instead of one longer game. If I go back to think about our driving points for the first game that we wanted to create, one was the duration, of course. The second was the realistic setting. The mansion is a house in Athens now. So we wanted to put the narrative of the game that is based on a novel that we wrote before adapting it into the game in a simple, ordinary house in Athens that you could find anywhere in almost every neighborhood. Back then, it was the first house. I don't know if there was another house somewhere else, but surely not in Greece. And it was a house that had windows and balconies and doors and rooms, and you could go in and out different rooms. So it was not dark or somewhere in the basement. So our approach was to write a story that is very realistic, uh, so that helps with the immersion. Like you enter and you are in a house. It's very simple, but I think it puts you in the mood better to feel the game that is more realistic. One of the things that's worth noting is that when we talk about the length of games in Athens, so many of us, especially experienced escape room players, have booked an hour-long escape room and then gotten out of it in 25, 30 minutes. Sometimes a 60-minute escape room isn't 60 minutes. But the games we played in Athens, even for our very experienced group, the games took up most of that time. When we were in the mansion in the bookstore, we were in there pretty close to the full time that you were allocating, which was impressive to me that the games were actually designed to fill that time and not just have a really long clock that maybe you use 75% of the time or 50% of the time. I'm just going to do a quick calculation for those of you who are bad at math like me, and I actually had to sit there and figure out how many hours is 200 minutes. And it is three and a third hours. It is three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, it's a lot of game. We thought three hours would be enough. <laughs> we didn't really know the time. and We didn't really know the exact duration and time of the game until we finished making the mansion. And we did our first tests. Uh, we just wanted the team to navigate through the rooms of the mansion and that each room uh, had enough things for them to do and keep the game interesting, changing the scenery and puzzles and the logic between some of the rooms. And we didn't really know that it would reach the three hours. Sometimes we found out when you design something, it, it's always a little bit more complicated and longer uh, than what you have in your mind until you run a few <laughs> tests in the beginning. So we tried not to be blocked or concerned about the duration. We just wanted a game that was, like you said, had a lot of things to do and to keep it interesting and not boring and have some differences between places and spaces and drive the narration forward as well. So when we ran the first tests, we understood that the game was three hours long. And it was a little bit maybe more than what we expected, but we want to give the teams enough time to feel like there is enough time to do everything that needs to be done. But like you mentioned before, in most of our games, regardless of the experience of the team, the majority of the teams need a lot of time to finish the games. And the good thing, in my opinion, when we design the games is that because they are long, 
even if a team is behind the timeline that we don't really like to use that expression of Paradox Project, there is always time to catch up. We had teams that were not doing well in a part of a game. And then if you solve two or three things relatively quick, you're back on track. So I think this is something that as a gamer myself, I like to have that feeling that you're not getting dragged or pushed around the game to catch up with the time frame. Because sometimes when a game is one hour long and it's very difficult, if you are behind, you are behind. Sometimes you feel like there's no time for me to catch up anymore. Yeah. And not many escape room creators have produced a game that lasts more than an hour or so, let alone a three-hour game. What are some of the design considerations when creating a game of this size and length? That's a whole big conversation. What's so, <laughs> Yeah, you can approach the question from many different angles. First of all, we approach the game in general like a movie. So we first sit down and write a story. We choose the story that we would like to adapt and write something that is a short novel, which is a guideline for us. So we want to have the characters and make their backstories, even though some of these details might not end up in the game. But we want to know who are these people who you meet when you play the game and the motives behind them. What's happening? What happened before and what's happening now that the team is there? So we have tried to adapt it into the game. And then comes the design process of the rooms and... What is the flow of the game? What are the rooms and how does the team maneuver through the game? From which room and are multiple rooms available at a time? Does the teams have to make a choice or, or not? Is it a good idea for teams to split up or not? Like you have played the mansion and it's not a big spoiler. Everything that I say is not a spoiler because I hate spoilers. It's one of the worst things in my life in every aspect, <laughs> escape rooms, movies, video games. So I'm not going to spoil anything. But in the mansion, the idea was to have a more open space for the teams to explore. So the game is not linear, which is another very overused and badly used expression, especially in Greece. There are many teams who always ask, is the game linear or not? There's not a clear answer for that. I agree. Even the teams who ask that, they don't know what it means, or it might not help them to tell them yes or no. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people get nervous or upset about linear games because they are bringing a larger group. And if you have a large group, then a linear game where you can only solve one puzzle at a time can sometimes feel really challenging because you're competing to touch and interact with it. I don't think linear versus nonlinear is inherently good or bad. There's good ways to do both. Exactly. But our mindset was... I don't want any of the team, despite how many people are in the team, to feel bored or left out. So mm -hmm. in all of our games, except for some specific puzzles that are the hard ones of the games, there are always two or three things to do at the same time. So we give the teams the option to maneuver themselves as they feel fit. And if someone doesn't like what their friends are doing, go try and do something else if you want but we leave it up to the team. This is something that some people appreciate and some people not because they 
prefer to have something very clear about where they should focus at one point. But that's a big conversation in general. Yeah. And when we played, we chose to stick together as a group and tackle each area together so that we could all take in and see it all. But if we wanted to get out a lot more quickly, if we cared about the time that we had, then yeah, we could have split up and divided and conquered and gotten through quickly. But we really wanted to savor your games and savor them we did. Thank you for that. And this is exactly the way we play as a team. In Paradox, we don't have a high score, we don't have a list of the best time, we don't care at all, and we try to make it very clear to the teams that there's not such a thing. So please enjoy the experience, try to live and be immersed as much as possible, and don't care about the time. And because you made that so clear to us, we all felt confident that we could just go in and enjoy the game as a group. There were four of us, but four or five is the optimal size team for a lot of the better European escape rooms. And yeah, we just had a blast. I agree. Four people and five sometimes are the optimal number, like you said. And yeah, after designing the layout and how the team would maneuver in the space and their rooms and the secret passages and every surprise that has to do with the set decoration and the realistic approach of everything that is put there, we try to be very natural, to feel like you find objects that you would literally find in a house and in a bookstore and in a music school, not something that doesn't fit the story and the space. And then come the puzzles, which of course is our big love. And this is what we spend a lot of our time when we create a new game. We have a pool of things and ideas about puzzles and riddles. And some of them, we try to see if they fit the story and fit a specific room or a specific part of the story. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. So something that I always say to people is that even if you have an amazing idea, it doesn't really have to be put inside the game if it doesn't fit the story. Some of the things come naturally when you're building, when you're designing, when you spend all of your day scratching floors and painting and building and maybe you go to a market and buy an old furniture and then you redecorate it and <laughs> you put a secret door behind the furniture that was not there. Then ideas sparkle up and it's amazing. This is my most beloved part of the story is coming up with ideas brainstorming with the rest of our group and trying to figure out like if we are excited about something would someone else be excited and does it make sense in a way that is both exciting and new and fresh and this is something that i think works well with our group that we are five people and we have the background of our friendship to be honest with each other to be very real. If we don't like something, we say it. If we think that it can be improved, we try to make it better. And this is something that works well with us. So I find it amazing when there are other people who create amazing games just by one person. Like for me, this is an epic task. If you don't have a feedback, it's not our way of doing it. So I really appreciate when a whole escape room or a video game or something is done by one specific person. Totally agree with that.
We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing escape rooms and other immersive social outings. I believe in Morty so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. We're not the only ones who have gone global. In preparation for this episode, Morty's team has added tons of escape rooms and companies in Greece. So far, they've got 91 companies at 110 locations and over 360 games that you can discover in Greece. This is fantastic because after chatting with Dimitri, I already know that Greece is like the next destination that I want to go to for my escape room trip. So whether you're from Greece or you're from elsewhere and you're planning to travel there, Morty is ready for you. All of this data is available on their iOS app as well as their mobile website. Sign up for Morty today. Start discovering escape rooms. You can learn more at mortyapp.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. So I hear from David that your games are so long that they in fact have an intermission and even bathrooms that are built into the game world. And intermissions are pretty rare. I don't know that I'd ever heard of any other game having them. How did you decide to include an intermission? And can you explain a little bit about how that works? It is not a spoiler anymore to say that the first two of our games, the mansion and the bookstore, the game begins when you arrive at the building. We wanted the game to feel as realistic as possible. And this is something that came out of our own experiences. We have been to some amazing games that we didn't like the part right before it. And I think Mm -hmm. this is something that you have discussed in your podcast before. Sometimes (laughs) you meet someone and they are there to tell you the rules or to tell you a very basic story. And instead of immersing you into the experience, it takes you completely off. So this was one of our ideas, how to skip that part completely. When you arrive in our games, the game starts immediately. This is something that we would like to do as players. There are a lot of games in Athens now that start immediately when you arrive at the place. The second thing is, like you said, the first game is a house and the second is a bookstore. So it's only natural that there is a bathroom inside those spaces. So we thought it would be more realistic to have the bathroom inside the game for anyone to use at any time they want. So our games are not typical escape rooms. And especially the mansion, when we made it back then, we tried to say to the teams that this is not an escape room. First of all, it's a house. It's not a room. And second of all, it's not an escape game because you're not to escape. Your goal is not to escape because you're never locked in. So you don't have to escape from somewhere. You are there to do something and solve the mystery and figure something out. So anyone that wants to go to the bathroom, they are free to go to the bathroom whenever they want at all times. If someone wants to smoke, they can go out in the balcony and smoke. We don't restrict them of doing this. But you said you don't talk to the players before they get to the game. So is this like information sent to them in an email or something? 
Yes. The game rules are sent on the email when a team is making a booking and they also find the same game rules and a letter when they arrive outside the door. So the team has to read the game rules and the letter before entering the space. And I wish we couldn't have that, but as you know, a lot of teams don't read the emails, especially for our games that are a little bit different. It's good to know some of the things. Yeah, it's been interesting to see reactions. So still to this day, 2022, the game has been running for seven years now. We have teams entering the space. There's no one there. Something is happening. They don't know how to react. We have teams leave the game and they go out and they call us and they say, we arrived and there's no one there. <laughs> we'll go in. <laughs> we just hang up the phone and let them figure it out. Yeah, We want to make things uncomfortable in an interesting new way. Make them figure it out themselves in a way. So I hope I answered your question about the bathroom. And about the break time, I know that it breaks the immersion a little bit. But we figured out from the beginning that three hours can be a long time for some of the teams. So at some specific points in all three of our games in Athens, we ask them if they would like a break. It's their decision. It's not mandatory. Some teams choose to do a break, most of the teams actually. And there are a few teams who don't want to have a break. So when it happens, the time stops. The music of the game, the soundtrack stops and they have a few minutes to relax, maybe go to the bathroom, maybe drink something because we also have water coolers and refreshments inside the game. I really appreciated the intermission in both games. It felt really good, especially in these longer games and in the warmer climate to just take a break, have a little bit to drink, go to the bathroom and not feel all this pressure because sometimes like in an escape room, even when the company tells you, oh, yeah, you know, you're know, you free to go and use the bathroom whenever you want, the door is open, go do it. You still feel like, well, if I go, I'm, I'm missing a lot you're of stuff. You're missing out. It's like going to the bathroom in the middle of a movie. Yeah, exactly. So it felt really good to just have that little break, have a couple minutes to like just hang out with my teammates, look at each other and nod and be like, oh, yeah, this is a good time. I'm enjoying this and then get back into it. So it sounds like the bathrooms and the drinks are kind of scattered throughout the game. Because in my head, when you said intermission, I imagined you get to a certain point of the game. Maybe it's a room. And in this room, there is the bathroom. There's a little snack bar, drink bar. And now it's designated intermission time. And you know it's all within that room. But is it not just like a room that is the intermission room? Is that how it works? Yeah, I don't want to give away too much about the layout. But think about it as a real house. So there is a water cooler and the refreshments are on the bar. The bar is accessible at all times. Anyone at any point, they can go to the bar and drink something. It's the same for most of our games. Okay, we have a little, a few surprises every now and then, but we try to adjust to the story. So if it doesn't make sense, maybe some things are a little bit different. Teams are really encouraged to read our rules very well because some things change from game to game and it's not by accident that some things are different. Speaking of accidents, I have a question and I might regret asking this, but has anything especially memorable ever happened involving the game's bathrooms? We specifically write in the rules of the mansion that the bathroom is accessible at all times and is not part of the game. You can go whenever you want, but there's no clues there for you to find. But some of them, they don't believe it. So one of the things that 
It might sound a little bit weird to say, but I have to say since you asked for something weird. In the bathroom, there are two toilets. So when you flush the toilet, sometimes we have a specific aromatic thing that goes through. So one guy realized that one of the bathroom, the cleaning in the toilet was blue and in the other toilet, it was pink. So he was convinced that this was a clue for the game. And <laughs> at some point that they needed some colors later on, he was having a great epiphany moment like oh, blue and pink. <laughs> I saw them in the toilet. We must use the blue and the pink. <laughs> I have a hypothesis about why your games are so popular among escape room fans. And I'd like to hear your take on it. Starting with your first game, The Mansion, which you released in 2015, mm -hmm. and continuing with The Bookstore, which you released in 2018, haven't played your latest game yet. Can't wait to get back to Athens and play it. I feel like your games are exactly what diehard escape room fans have wanted for each era that you have opened up your games. So back in 2014, if you had asked 2014 version of me what my dream escape room was, it probably would have looked a lot like the mansion. And I feel similarly about the bookstore. If you had asked me or someone like me back in 2018, like, what's the dream escape room? I think it would look a lot like the bookstore. I think you have an incredible ability to channel what fans are craving into your designs. I'm curious, does this ring true to you? Like, how does that feel to you? I agree with you 100%. And sometimes, I, I don't know how to exactly phrase it so it doesn't come as arrogant, but sometimes when we create the games, it's not about what fans want and what people want. It's what we want to play. And I'm trying to say it the best possible way. Like what would be interesting to us, what we would respond to, what we are missing from the other amazing games that we have played in Athens. I think this is an advice to I give to a lot of people who approach us about opening other escape rooms in Greece, is that they tell me like, Dimitri, I have this idea for an escape room. Do you think it would be successful? And my reply to that is, I don't know if it will be successful and you shouldn't mind so much about answering this question. Would you love to play it? If you love to play it, I'm sure there is an audience out there that would also love to play it. So if you do something that you are really passionate about and you really love, I'm sure not everyone will like it. Of course, games are subjective, like movies and video games. Not everyone is going to like everything, but there's going to be people who respond to it. And this is how I react. The more games I play, because now I have played around 350 escape rooms. I used to be much more judgmental in the beginning of my games. And the more I play, I try to appreciate the creative mind behind the game. So even if we don't like everything, I really have a nice time. It's like, I don't know how to explain it as a metaphor, like uh, taking an X-ray of someone's brain or going to <laughs> someone's thoughts and taking a look around so for me this is very interesting and this is something that takes me back to the games again and again what you're talking about is very much in line with the reviewer philosophy we have at room escape artist which is that our goal isn't to go and just cast judgment on whether we liked or disliked the game 
our goal is to try and understand why was this game created? What was the goal of it? And who is it for? Who's going to enjoy it? And why are they going to enjoy it? That's the stuff that we like to grapple with. And it's, it really is. It's trying to get into the headspace of that designer and appreciate what they were striving for. I particularly appreciate your sentiment because there's nothing worse to me than, I mean, and I know that there's beta testing involved in a lot of these games, but to think that somebody has created a game through a bunch of audience market testing, what did people like playing the most or whatever. And to be honest, I think most people don't know what they want. And that's part of why we do the podcast. We interview all these different creators and it's amazing to see the influences that the creators have had in their past professions, their passions, and then you can see it come out in the games that we play. So when we did a spoilers club about Ministry of Peculiarities, and these guys were huge fans of immersive theater. So they have live actors and all this type of immersive theater nods in their games. Or when we interviewed Anne and Chris Lukeman from CU Adventures, and they really like these kind of roadside attractions and quirky little details. And from what I've heard and seen, those things come out. And so hearing you talk about your love of video games and video games are long. There's a whole storyline involved. You get really into the story. And I feel like you can see that coming through in your style. And it seems like it has been hugely successful. And even when you were describing all the things that you felt like you could have improved on in games, and I'm like nodding my head like, yes, I agree with you 100% on all these different points, especially for back in 2014, I'm sure. I'd like to change gears a little bit. Talk about a different defining element of Athens Escape Rooms. With games like El Exorcista by No Exit Escape Rooms and Sanatorium by Lockhill, Athens has become known for intense and psychological horror games. Your games aren't horror. I would say your games are more mysteries or thrillers. But I'm curious if you can share any of the history surrounding these games and how they emerged. It is true that the last few years, more and more thriller escape rooms or horror escape rooms open up. But I find that some people think that Athens only has horror escape rooms nowadays. I find it completely false. There are equally puzzle escape rooms and horror escape rooms opening up. I know it's a bit of a trend, but I think a little bit of everything opens up. So we even have some action escape rooms that they are focusing more on doing things and having more tasks than puzzles. About your question is, I think that it's a way of some creative people to approach the immersion. A lot of people like the horror genre and I'm a fan in cinema of watching horror movies. So they started making a little bit darker games and also the inclusion of actors became more and more popular the last few years. So there's a plethora of horror escape rooms and even those are very different between each other. So there are like Alexorcista, as you said, is a masterpiece in what they do. They have a very good story behind it and the acting is amazing. There are a few moments that are mind blowing and it's not a spoiler to say that you have to go and see it for yourself. There are a yeah. couple or three moments that I was completely you know, lost for words. I didn't know what was happening. Same for us. We were shocked by some of the things they were doing. Yeah, but also El Exorcista is amazing because they also have puzzles and they mm -hmm. also have a very good transition from space to space. 
then they have some very clever surprises going on. And then there are other escape rooms that are focused more on the jump scares and atmosphere and making you move around to find objects. And of course, because some of them can be a little bit dark or you don't have a big source of light or they try to get you lost in a huge space, they don't have a lot of puzzles, which is Mm -hmm. something that is different. Like there are a couple of escape rooms, even a couple that are very highly rated and a lot of people love these games that one of them, for example, they write on their website, we have no puzzles at all, (laughs) which I really appreciate it because they're being honest with the people because there are some people who love puzzles and they go to some of the horror escape rooms and then they're disappointed because they like the experience, but there were no puzzles there. Would you call that an escape room then? Or is it more considered like a haunt at that point? It's a big conversation. I don't know. I would say that... From the conversations I've had, Europe doesn't have the same historical concept of haunt as amusement that we have in the United States. So there are different businesses that have emerged to provide those kinds of scares. But if you take Lock Hill as an example, Sanatorium has three modes. Day mode, which is basically the game with all puzzles and no scares. Mm -hmm. Night mode, which is the game that just has all of the scares and none of the puzzles. The game master there described it as, I get paid to chase people around and scare them for a couple of hours. And the third mode, the one we played was midnight mode, which was full puzzles and full horror. And the game master had said to us that they don't actually get to run that mode all that often. They tend to be running either day mode or night mode and not the midnight one, which in my opinion, midnight is the one to do. Oh, I am fascinated by this. I know we don't have time to go over it now, but we're definitely mm-hmm. talking about this in the bonus episode. Yes, yeah, yes, we I, can do I totally that. agree with you. I also suggest the midnight version. And I think a lot of people later, after maybe you visited, a lot of people do the midnight mode that is two and a half hours nowadays. I'm glad we were pushing it really hard in our review because I can't imagine doing just half of it. It just feels like you're missing out on the heart of what that creation is. I agree. And also to come back to what David mentioned, this is uh, true. In Athens, we don't have horror experiences. We don't have horror houses. This is a concept that we don't have here. It might be more popular maybe in the UK or in some other European countries, but here we didn't have those. And maybe... It was like a small horror house in an amusement park, but it was more light for children. It was not something major. So some of the escape rooms are providing something that is more scary and more different. About if it is an escape room, this is a whole huge conversation because someone can say that if you are locked in a space and your goal is to escape, it is an escape room. It is an escape experience. For me, I grew up thinking that the major number one thing in escape rooms are the puzzles and the riddles. And this is changing a little bit. So it really is a little bit subjective. So I don't know, like escape room is a term that is a little bit outdated. Some people say because most of the games in Athens are not escape rooms. They are mystery houses or mystery spaces. The new Lock Hill game, The Chapel and the Catacombs, which is a must if you come to Athens, uh, is 500 square meters. So it's huge. You cannot say that it's a room. It's not even a house. There is really a village, a chapel, 
and the cemetery. So it's not an escape room, in my opinion. I can't wait to play that. While we're on this subject, I want to ask you, in Greece, what are the terms for escape rooms? Like, how many different terms do you commonly use? If I was a Greek enthusiast and I was talking to one of my friends in Greek, what term would I use and how does that translate into English? Still, escape room is the most commonly term. And a a lot of people also call them rooms. So let's go play a room. It's still what people use. I specifically avoid calling the games room and I call them games. So for me, these are games. And I think room is something that does not describe the experience anymore. So, yeah. I agree with you. And how would you say that in Greek, just out of curiosity? Room is domatio. So escape room is domatio apodrasis. Game is technivi which is a very big term that includes a lot of things under the umbrella of a game. That's just like in English. Yeah. I mean, this is a struggle for us because David and I also, when we first conceived of this podcast, you know, we would say that it's about immersive gaming, which I think encompasses a lot of what we cover. But for SEO purposes, we had to insert escape room back into the description because otherwise no one would be able to find the podcast. So it's a bit of a juggling act in terms of naming. But that's again, that is another conversation. I do have a question. So I know that your games are available in both Greek and English. And I was wondering, if you could tell us what are some of the challenges associated with designing for more than one language? Uh, It is true that all of our games are available in English and in Greek. And from the second game on, when we try to uh, make the puzzles and the riddles, we think in universal terms, something that is not globally understood, we avoid it. So some of our puzzles are mostly English behind the logic, if I have to say. So there are a few things that it's based around the English language. We are lucky here in Greece that the majority of people speak very good English, so they understand and they can follow the games very easily. Everybody knows the numbers and colors and things like that. So this is not a problem. The other thing that is different in our games, we were the first ones in Greece to introduce videos in our games. So this is one of our way that we came up with to advance the story and to immerse the people in the story of meeting characters throughout the experience through videos. So the videos are in Greek and they have English subtitles, which work very good for English speaking people. But we've come across some people who struggle a little bit. So we are in the process of translating the subtitles and the texts of our games in Spanish and other languages as well. Yeah, that's really smart. And I noticed that even your website comes up natively in English because I just came back from a trip to Europe and some of the games I had to use like Google Translate. So I appreciated that your website was quite easy to read and navigate in English. taking a moment to thank our sponsor, the World Escape Room Championship, a global competition for escape room players. This year, it is happening virtually, so everyone can compete for free. The elimination round is happening on the 5th of November, and the top 100 teams will go on to compete in the grand finale on the 26th of November. This year's winners each receive a Nintendo Switch Lite. 
little historical trivia for you, but I was actually at one of the earliest World Escape Room Championships. Actually, back then, it was the Polish Escape Room Championship, and I was speaking at the conference Vro Escape, which the event was tied to. And it was really cool to see all of these teams gathered in person and ready to compete. I got so excited when I heard that this competition used to be in person, and I think it will be in person again in the future. This year, it's virtual, but the idea of being able to travel to another country where escape room enthusiasts from all over the world will all be gathering to play and compete in these games, that must have just been a blast. It really was cool. And while I did not compete because I didn't have a team and it was also the Polish championship at the time, I did get to play a whole bunch of the games that were involved in the event. And that was really special. But in the meantime, this year it is virtual and you can absolutely throw down against the world. Gather your team of two to four competitors. You must each create your own accounts on the ERChamp website. Whether you're in it for fun or you're in it to win it, I wish you luck. You can learn more at erchamp.com. Details in the show notes. One last question about your games, and that is the bookstore has a actual bookstore facade, and we'll have a photo of this in the show notes. How has that been for your business? Have you had people trying to get in, trying to figure out how they can buy books? Yeah, you're correct, 100%. Like I said, the mansion and the bookstore, we haven't mentioned it today, is one story. So the bookstore is a sequel to the mansion. It's based on the same book that we wrote. So the mansion is a game that's happening now. It's more straightforward. You arrive at the house, something has happened. So the game is three hours real time inside the house. Underneath the house is a bookstore. So upstairs is the uncle's house and downstairs is the uncle's bookstore. So we had it in mind from the beginning when we rented these two spaces that it would look like a real store that from the outside people would walk by it and think that is a real bookstore. And what you said really happened. Like when we were building it, a lot of people came knocking or entered trying to buy books. Or there was a, a woman with her daughter and they saw in the glass window a very nice edition of Alice in Wonderland. And the little girl wanted the book. So we took it out and gave it to them because for us it was just decoration. So yeah, this is what we wanted to to do, uh, make something that is immersive and believable. Because sometimes you go to an amazing room that has amazing puzzles and great flow, for example, and the setting is not realistic. You know, there is some suspension of disbelief, like everything in life, but sometimes it needs too much. Yeah. And the Music Academy, which is our newest game, is really set in an old music school. And this is something that we tell to teams and they don't believe us. But <laughs> it's okay. It's part of the mystery. Some people do believe it. Some people don't. Oh, I can't wait to come play. And speaking of coming to Greece and play, which I do plan on doing at some point, we would also like to spread a little bit of the love for your fellow escape room creators. So what are some of your current favorite games in Greece that you did not create? Oh, Okay. Again, I can talk for hours about that. There are so many. So on the top of my head, 
We have already discussed two of my favorite people and friends in the industry because with some of the game designers of the other escape rooms, we have become friends and we go and play other escape rooms together. And it's good that you find other people who love something as much as we do. So it's a very welcoming industry here. And when we create a new game, the play tests are 50% from other escape room owners in Athens. So some of our friends, we invite them over because they have the experience and we really appreciate their opinion and their feedback. That's lovely to hear. Yeah. And I always think a good creator friendship makes for a better like a community overall for games. We are gamers before all. We love new games to open and being great. As a gamer, it's amazing to play new games. We are always one of the first to go play new games, even if they try to invite us over for a test or when it opens to go try a game. So we already mentioned Lockheed and Vasilis is one man show. He creates everything by himself. The story and the lore behind the games is amazing. So the depth is amazing. So it's interesting. Again, it's something very unique in Greece. Like you open the door and you are transformed in a village. So there's a main square of the village and the games are buildings of the village. I love that. I love that you can go play one game like the Lockwood Manor, for example. And from the windows of the Lockwood Manor, you could see another team of adventurers going to the sanatorium. For me, that's amazing. That's awesome. If you meet other people there walking around, it's another group of adventurers coming to Lockhill, for example. Uh, We also mentioned No Exit, Nikos and Liana, amazing. They have the El Exorcista, which is supposed to be one of the best escape rooms, maybe globally, from the awards. It's certainly up there. Also, Death Row is their last game, which is a prison setting. And I know we have all played a lot of prison settings in games, but this is my best prison experience. And Nikos is amazing with his hands as well. He makes secret passages and things move in ways that we have never seen before. I would also like to mention Escapolis, our dear friends, Yorgos and Yanis. They have nine games in Athens in two different locations. They have the best set decoration by far, like amazing. We are always mind blown with the decoration, the set design. And I always like that their themes are very different and very unique with each other. So one can be Halloween mystery game and the other can be a horror game with a serial killer. And the other game can be based on Dark Mirror, for example, and is more sci-fi adventure mystery. And they also have a new game that is set in an elevator with the amazing name Elevator. So you are 70 minutes trapped in an elevator. So it's the completely opposite of our games. Like we were trying to go big and they said, okay, we have this space. So how can you use it? Let's make an elevator. Great idea. They do a lot of interesting things in their building with relatively small spaces, which does make them stand out among a lot of the other Greek games we played, which tended to be gigantic. Yeah, and also it's tricky. It's Mm -hmm. it's much more difficult to squeeze clever things in a small space. There's also another company that has a game called Escape the Car. So you're literally two to four people trapped in a car for 80 minutes. When I was going there, I was like, what am I going to do 80 minutes in a car? 
you have to go and find out. Like you have to <laughs> be right. creative to to find ways to keep you going on and interesting there. We're going to have to check those out. And are all these games in Athens? Yes. Athens is the capital of Greece and has like 50% of the population of the whole country. And maybe I would say on the top of my head, 80 or more percent of the escape rooms are in Athens. But Athens can be a big city. When teams from abroad come, especially enthusiasts who want to play many games, they try to separate each days according to area because sometimes you need a lot of time moving around. The good thing about Paradox Project, we are open 24-7. This is something that a lot of people don't know. What? (laughs) I could come play a game at two in the morning? (laughs) Yes. It was my crazy idea because I'm working full-time on Paradox. Back then, it happened when we had only the mansion going on and we had only a few game masters, including me. I'm still running games. I love running games and spending time with teams. The bad thing about having a three plus hours escape game is that we can only run very limited games each day, two or three in times that are supposed to be times that people would choose to come. So it was my idea to allow teams to book games 24 seven if they do it in advance by contacting us. It doesn't mean that we are there 24 seven waiting for people. (laughs) And of course, we have to know that the game is booked at least one hour before because we have a lot of things to set up. It's not like an escape room that can be set up in four minutes. I've been listening to that and crying because in four <laughs> minutes, I cannot go from the control room to meet the teams. So let alone set up the whole game. So yeah, if a team wants to come after midnight, why not? I don't have to wake up early in the morning. So I like to accommodate teams and especially enthusiasts who come in Athens and they try to play a lot of escape rooms in one day. They find it quite challenging to fit a lot of games in one day because most of the companies are closed in the mornings. Yeah. A lot of companies open up after four or five in the afternoon. Yeah, and these are three-hour games. You play like three games and there's your whole day. When we were in Athens, we only played 10 games over, I think, four days. And it felt like we had played like 20 to 30 games just because the lengths were so long and they were all good. So, yeah, it was a really fun time. It is a more challenging place for traveling players to go and schedule. And we were so thankful to you, Dimitri, for opening up in the morning for us because your flexibility allowed us to actually go and get more games in and get more of what we wanted to do in. Yeah, this is what I wanted to say to everyone who is listening and they're planning to come to Athens. Please feel free to contact me. Every email or messenger message or Viber, WhatsApp or Instagram message, I'm replying to it. And I'm trying to help teams schedule their games. I can give advice about what games open specific hours. I can talk with other escape room owners to see if they can arrange a game outside of their normal schedule. And to be completely honest, something that I say is that if you plan to play five or six or seven games in a day, please start with our games first. It's better (laughs) to come to our games with a clear mind in the morning before heading to other games. So, yeah, why not? If somebody wants to come after midnight or very early in the morning, of course we can arrange it. 
What comes next for you and the whole Paradox Project crew? Uh, so for now, we have these three games in Athens, the mansion, the bookstore, and the music academy. The music academy opened a couple of years ago, but it's relatively new because of COVID reasons and the quarantine. Like not for many months, the game was closed, so we had to wait. It's a different story. It is not connected to the previous two. So there are teams who can play the Music Academy without having played the previous two before. So we are now in the phase of designing our fourth game, which is going to be something connected to the Music Academy. And they're going to be both in the same building. The story is 99% ready because we tried to write the story before. And we are just in the process of building and figuring things out about the videos and the space and the puzzles and the riddles. So hopefully in the next couple of years, this will be ready as well. It takes us a lot of time because almost everything is custom made and handmade. The only thing that we don't do ourselves is something about the electronic department. This is the only thing that we need to collaborate with other amazing creative people outside of our team. But everything else is handmade and custom-made. This is why it takes us a long year. Like the bookstore took two and a half years to make. And people freak out when they hear that. But uh, David, you have played the game. The bookstore is very peculiar in some ways <laughs> that I cannot go into detail. It was very difficult to find crews to build the games for us. So we ended up doing everything ourselves because it was very weird and people could not fathom and understand what we were asking them to do. Even something very simple as creating a floor can be very weird sometimes. I know what you're talking about and I understand the problem you were dealing with. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a labor of love. Dimitri, where can people find you on social media? Paradox Project on Facebook and Instagram, paradoxproject.zr. We also have a different Facebook and Instagram page about our game in Paros Island. So you can find it as Paradox Project Paros. To say a few things about the game in Paros, it's also a version of the mansion. So it's called the Mansion of Paros. And we try to make it very clear that for people who have played the game in Athens, it is the same, more or less experience. There are, of course, some differences. The game in Paros is two hours instead of three, but the essence and the majority of the puzzles are the same. We will put links to all of those in the show notes. Dimitri, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a delight. And I cannot wait to get back to Athens and play your latest creation. Thank you so much, guys. I really hope you come and play the rest of our games. And PG, of course, when you arrange to come to Athens, please contact me so I can guide you around. He's a good guide. Yes, thank you. I will. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Lisa Spira, edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media, and brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. Hi folks, it's that time again, you know the one where we ask you to back us on our Patreon. Now, I know that everyone has Patreon request fatigue. I have it too. And I know that you're used to hearing 
that it takes a lot of work to make this content and that the money goes a long way. But it really is true. All of the things that we're doing take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. And the support that we get from our Patreon community is invaluable. If you have the money available and love what we're doing, please do consider backing us on Patreon. It means more than I think you realize. Thanks. If you have been enjoying the content on Reality Escape Pod, David and I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. It really goes a long way towards helping us market the podcast and growing this podcast. We'd like to take a moment to thank our highest tier sponsors, Derek Tam, Breakout Games, Jonathan Driscoll, Pat Tupin, Rex Miller, Paula Swan, Scott Olson, and Byron Delmonico. We'd also like to thank our latest patron, Encrypted Escape. Thank you so much for joining our community. As I mentioned before, the mansion is a real house and it's not an escape game. The team is not locked inside the house. The house is always open. So that means that teams can go in and out whenever they want. But also a few strange things might happen. At a specific point, one of the stools has been a little bit damaged. So we gave it to a carpenter to fix it. And we specifically mentioned to him that we are going to pick it up. So you don't have to bring it back to us. But he didn't listen to that part of what we wanted. So he decided after he fixed it to bring it back to the mansion. And he rang the bell while the team was inside playing the game. Of course, the team listened to the bell and opened the door. So there was a very interesting conversation about someone who was trying to deliver a stool and the team who, on the one hand, they thought it was part of the game and it was, they thought it was a clue and they wanted to take the stool and search it, but he was also asking for money. And then it started to get a little bit weird. But, you know, these things are some things that teams remember. Like, these things are not planned and they give us different spice to the games. <laughs>